Okay. Uh, all right, we're picking up. Let's just uh, quickly review what we saw in that Vav at the end there. Um, we saw Machloket, uh, I think a three-way Machloket, right? In the Brighter, right after the Mishnah, when the Gemara starts. The line afterwards, we see a three-way Machloket about whether other Rishon or other Shanis that has priority. So the two opinions we're specifically focusing on were Rabbi Lazar Barbiosi, who said, So he says essentially that Adar Rishon is equivalent, and you can do all the mitzvah in Adar Rishon. And Rabbi Shimon Begamliel, Rabbi Yossi, so there's two people in the name of Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Shimon says, you can read in Adar Shani because all the mitzvot of Shani are not allowed to be done in the first one. So again, so the Machloket essentially is, is the main one the first Adar or the second Adar? Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi, is the first Adar, and Rabbi Shimon Begamliel, name Rabbi Yossi, says it's the second Adar. And then we were discussing the Pasuk of Bechol Shana B'Shana, and I think the last thing we talked about was Bechol Shana B'Shana, that just as every single year, it should, so to this would be, so, so the year of the delete year should be the same thing. So Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi would say, just like Echol Shana V'Shana, Adar is Samuch to Shvat, the other that you would celebrate perm is the one next to Shvat, so, the, so to here, so that would be Adar Rishon. And Rabbi Shimon says, no, it's the other that's close to Nisan, which would be Adar Sheni. Um, and then we said, that, is, uh, that works well to Rabbi Lazar because we have a concept of Ein Ma'avirin Alam Yisrael, so to pass by Adar and not do the mitzvah would be sort of dis- uh, wouldn't work so well. Rabbi idea would be to connect Geula to Geula. Okay, then you should have the Geula of uh, Pesach follow the Geula of Pur. Okay, so that takes us to the last line on Vav Mabet. Rabbi Lazar Omer, Amar, Tama de Rabbi Gamliel Mehacha. He says, the reason for Rabbi Shem Gamliel is from here, Dichtiv Bekayim Etigeret Haparim Hazot Hashenit to fulfill the words of the leather of this leather of Purim, which is the Megillah. Uh, the second one, Hashenit, implying that again, Ajarsheni is the key. The Gemara says, "Ve'istrech lemichtav Hashenit, ve'istrech lemichtav b'kol shana b'shana." And it needs to say both of these psukim, both b'kol shana b'shana and Hashenit. Why? Di'imi b'kol shana b'shana, because if you just learn this idea of the primacy of Ajarsheni from the pasuk b'kol shana b'shana each and every year. You could have said, like our question, which was, um, what, we, what was the question we asked before? How do you know which one's which? So, that's what the Hashanit comes to tell you. So, if you're not sure what to do, Hashanit. And if you only said Hashanit, I would have said that ideally you can say it, you can do all the mitzvot in the first Adar and the second Adar. Because maybe just Hashanit comes to include the second Adar, not to exclude the first one. That's why comes to tell me that just as every year it's close to Nisan, so to this also it's close to Nisan. Yeah? When do we decide that there needs to be a lead month? Because if they are, they are going to be doing the mitzvah anyway if they decide to like, add Adar. I'm not sure I understand the question. Like, if they decide way in advance, then there's a question. If they're deciding, like, they realize, like, much closer to the sun that they need uh, it to be closer to spring, that then they'll add a month. They just, if they decide during the first hour that they bring in the second hour, is it possible that they've already done? That's exactly the context. That's exactly the question. I mean, if you've done that, the question is you have to repeat the mitzvah or not repeat the mitzvah. When they were instituting the whole idea of the 
month, why do they choose Adar and not like Cheshvan, where there's no holidays? So this question It's a fair question. I don't know exactly. I guess I, I think the simplest answer is that Adar is the last month. Okay. So they just like they just add on. They tack on to the end of the year. I mean, in theory, you could say like, well, why is it Adar Shani? Why isn't it just a new month called? Baluma or something, you know, like maybe just make that month. And why, is that, why, why does it have to be that way? You know, but I guess that's how they sort of institute it. Once they do this, so then they have these discussions about what's their about. Okay. The Gemara continues says, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi, hi, Hashanit, may avilay. What does Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yossi do with the word Hashanit? He doesn't seem to be so relevant because he, again, thinks that the other Rishon is the key. He needs it in accordance with Shmuel Bar Yehuda. The Amar of Shmuel Bar Yehuda, Patchila Kavua Bashushan, Olavasof Bekol Haolam Kulo. And originally they only instituted this holiday in Shushan. I guess Hashenit comes along. Then the end they instituted it in the whole world. I guess that's Hashenit, like the second iteration of the holiday. Amar of Shmuel Bar Yehuda, and once we mention Rashul Bar Yehuda, he says as follows: Shalchalahem Esther Lachachamim. Here is a very very famous line from the Gemara. Um, Esther sent a message to the Chachamim, Kavuni Lidorot, establish me for all generations, meaning this holiday, the ringing of Megillah, etc., etc. Shachula, they sent to her, Kinah at me'ogreret aleinu l'bein ha'umot. They said, it's a bad idea, you're going uh, to stir up jealousy among the other nations. Rashi explains, because mentioning their downfall doesn't make any So why are we going to, why have you focus on this? She sent back to them, It's too late. I'm already written down in the recording of the history of the kings of Madayim Paras. So writing this other Megillah is not going to make any difference that way. And this way we can celebrate these events. Okay. Rav, Rav Hanina, Rav Yochanan, Rav Chaviva, Matnu Bakule Seder Moed. Um, so Rav and Rav Chanina and Rav Yochanan and Rav Chaviva um, were discussing or teaching all of Seder Moed. Kol ki haizuga, whenever they had this um, pair, Chalufei Rabbi Yochanan uma'ayal Rabbi Yonatan. They took out Rabbi Yochanan and they included Rabbi Yonatan. Okay, meaning they, uh, I guess is what they taught. That there's a, Rashi says, Bakulei Seder Moed Shehuskara Sham Zug Ze Shel Arba Chachamim Halalu. So there's like, I guess there's a lot of recordings in the name of these four people, Rav, Rav Chanina, Rabbi Yochanan, Rav Chaviva. But the Gemara is pointing out, what you should do is, when you see this, forget, it's not Rabbi Yochanan, it's Rabbi Yonatan. I'm not totally sure why that had to be mentioned right now. I don't know. Not totally sure. Um, okay, Shalchalahem Esther Lachachamim. Maybe this is what this group. T- maybe I think I think it's a parenthesis. Maybe I think that they're teaching the following statement, and that and we're just the side. Like the sidebar is, it's not Rabbi Yochanan, it's Rabbi Yonatan. But okay, here's what the four people are teaching us. Shalchalahem Esther Lachachamim Kitvuni Lederot. She says to the Chachamim, right? Of all, of all generations, Shalchulah. They sent back to her. I can quote a pasuk from Mishlei. Halo katavti lach shilishim. Behold, I have written to you threes. And the implication is shilishim velo rivaim threes and not fours. Rashi explains here that the idea is that Shlomo HaMelech and Mishlah here is an indicating that in the context of Amalek, you should only write down the story of Amalek three times and three times. So if you look in Rashi shilishim, it's a little further up in the page. It's like by the third or fourth line of the Gemara. He says bishlosham mikamot yeshan lehaskir melchemet Amalek. Uh, there's three times we should mention Bechamet Amalek. Besefer Ve'ele Shmot. She comes in, in, uh, in Sefer Shmot, which is in the end of Parshat Bishalach. Ube um, Mishneh Torah. 
which doesn't mean the Rambam's Mishnah Torah, it means Torah, yeah, fair. And also, Ubasefer Shmuel, and the Shmuel where, you know, when Shaul fights against Amalek. And the thing that you tripled, you shouldn't quadruple. Okay, so that's the idea. So they responded to Esther, we can't write another story in Tanakh about Amalek. And you know, Haman, Amalek, etc. So the Gemara continues and says, Until they found a Pasuk that's written in the Torah. This is also in Shmuel Pergidayin. Okay, this is in the context of Amalek. It says, Ketob zot zikaron basefer. Right, you should write this as a remembrance in the book. Okay, right, what does it say there in the Pasuk? Tov Yitzhak, Vesev, Vesim, Bosnev, Yoshua, Melchamah, Lashem, Bamalek, Midor, Dor. Right, so that's the, the idea. There's a war with Amalek for all generations. Okay, so what is the interpretation of this Pasuk? Ketov Zot, write this, Ma Shekatuv Khan, Uba Mishnah Torah. That Ketov Zot is a reference to what is written here, meaning in Parsha Bishalach, and in Mishnah Torah and Sefer Dvar. Zikaron, a remembrance, and that's a reference to what? Mashakatub and Nevi'im. What's written in Nevi'im? Basefer. The last word Basefer in the book. Mashakatub and Megillah. So they say, oh, that's what it indicates, that's what's written in the Megillah. So that's, that's a Pasuk that allows the writing of the Megillah, so to speak. Gemara says, that's Ketanai. That's, um, <coughs> that's actually a Machlok Ketanaim, this, this uh, analysis or this drasha. As a, another opinion says, Ketov Zot. Mashakatuv Khan. This version says Ketov Zot is not what's written here and in Mishnah Torah, but rather only what's written here in Sefer Shemot. Zikaron Mashakatuv in Mishnah Torah. That's what's in Tvarim. Basever Mashakatuv in Nevi'im. Basever is what's written in Nevi'im. Divir Rabbi Shua. That's Rabbi Shua's opinion. Rabbi Lazar Hamodai Omer Omer Ketov Zot Mashakatuv Khan Uba Mishnah Torah. That's the judge we just had. Right? What's written here and Mishnah Torah. Zikaron Mashakatuv in Nevi'im. Basever Mashakatuv in Nevi'im. Okay, so it's Machlok Tanaim, and that's the petach. That's the opening that the Chachamim found to allow the inclusion of Megillah Esther in Tanakh. Okay. On the same topic, uh, or similar topic, Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Rav Yehuda quotes Shmuel as follows, Esther ina mitama et hayadayim. The book of Esther does not make your hands tameh. Okay, so if you know what that's talking about, it makes perfect sense. If you don't, it makes no sense at all. So you have to understand as follows. That they, that the, it was customary back in the day to store scrolls um, in places where food was found. Okay, just so it was like the cool, dry places where they stored their food. The problem was that, let's say, like mice would come and try to eat the food, and then they'd also bite up and eat all the svarim. So to prevent people from putting their svarim in the same place where they put, um, where they put the food, the chachamim were, uh, were gozer. They made a, a, a decree that, um, that sifre kodesh, make your hands tameh. Okay, they make your hands, just your hands. Now, the idea of Tumah and by the Torah, there's no such thing as having Tumah just for your hands. Either you're Tumah or you're not. Your whole body, you're not. But that's the idea, that your hand, just your hands are Tumah. So one indication that the book has Kiddushah is, is it Metamah Yadayim or not Metamah Yadayim? So this statement that Esther is not Metamah Yadayim is essentially a statement that Esther is not included in Tanakh. Why would they do that as opposed to just saying they can't put their scrolls in the food? Ah, no one would listen to that. It's a, at some level, it's a psychological. I don't mean a game, but it's a, it's a psychological thing. What's the right thing that people will actually listen to? Right? It's like the joke. You know the joke. The joke about the about the milk. So it's a guy in yeshiva. So he, uh, if you know the jokes are great. If you don't know, don't worry. About it. So it's a guy in yeshiva. He buys himself some milk. He puts it in the fridge, so he can have it for his coffee, his cereal, whatever. So the guy, so he comes back the next day, and the milk's gone. He's like, that's really disappointing. So he buys more milk, and he puts uh, he puts it back in the fridge, and he says, please don't take it. 
you know, belongs to so-and-so. Comes back the next day, the milk's gone. So this is crazy. So the next day, he puts milk, and he's like, it's low tignov. Comes back the next day, milk is gone. It's unbelievable. So the next day, he puts the milk, and he writes the thing, chalav akum. And the milk was there. Right? So it's a, it's a real psychology, right? So whatever. So that's like the, the idea, right? Like some of these people, they're impacted by different things, you know? So that's like the idea. Tuma! Oh, Tuma! Oh, forget it! We won't do it. Just don't do it. Ah, yeah. So that's, I guess, I, I think that's probably the issue. Okay? Alright, so the Gemara now says, Lememra de Savar Shmuel Esther Labaruch HaKodesh Namra. Is this to indicate, this seems to indicate that Shmuel thinks that Esther was not written with divine inspiration. But is that true? V'ha'amar Shmuel, but didn't Shmuel say Esther Baruch HaKodesh Namra? Uh, but didn't Shmuel say that Esther is written in Baruch HaKodesh? So the answer is, Ne'emra likrot, velo ne'emra lichtov. It was stated in Baruch HaKodesh like to recite it, but not necessarily was it stated in Baruch HaKodesh to, to write it. I guess so the writing impact wouldn't be quite the same. Okay? It means that it means that the idea would be that, that she wrote that the, the, that the Megiddo was written divinely inspired, but in terms of the actual scroll, that would, it wouldn't have an impact on the on the on the scroll itself. Maybe the telling of the story or something like that. Uh, not that's, that's an interesting question. Um, not, not totally sure, but there seems to be an assumption here. Okay, the Gemara says made to be. We have a kushia here. Rabbi Meir Omer Kohelat Einu Metamei Teadaim Machlokim B'Shir Hashirim. This is a from this Brayta. It tells us that Rabbi Meir says that Kohelat isn't Metamei Teadaim, and it's a Machlokim B'Shir Hashirim. Rabbi Yosi Mershir Hashirim Metamei Teadaim. Shirim definitely does. Umachlokim B'Kohelat. Machlokim B'Kohelat. Rabbi Shimon Omer Kohelat Mikula B'Shami B'Chumah Ben Hillel. He says that Kohelat is a certain Machlokim as a leniency B'Shami. Who would say, I guess, it's not Metamei Teadaim in Ben which be strict and say it is metami yadaim. About root for shir shim Esther metami yadaim. But root and shir shim and Esther are all metami yadaim. So you see that Esther is metami yadaim. So what do you mean Shmuel? So Gemara answers Huda Amar Kirabi Yoshua. Fine. So he must hold like Rabbi Yoshua, who says that Esther is not metami yadaim. Okay. It says Machlokah. Now. Tanya, we learn in the bright Rabbi Shimon Menashe, Omer Kohela, Eni Matamati Adaim, and Deshachach Matosha Shlomohi. Rabbi Shimon Menashe says, Kohela is not Matami Adaim because it is not divine wisdom per se, it is the wisdom of Shlomo. Amr lo, Vichizobil Vadamar. They say, wait a second. Is this all he said? Meaning, is the book of Kohela the only wisdom that Shlomo expresses? Vihalokhvar Namar, but it also says, Vahidabir Shadloshad Alafim Mashal. That he spoke 3,000 Mishalim. Vihomer, and it says, Altosef Aldevarav. And it says in Mishalai, do not add onto words. So Gemara says, my, meaning, meaning that, what's the implication here? Presumably the implication is that he's written a lot of things. So the fact that we have this particular book, or these particular books that are, you know, sort of designated as Tanakh, there must be something special about these words. So Gemara says, my ve'omer, what's the ve'omer, like alto sefal devarav, ve'chitemon, if you'll say, me'mar tuva amar, that he said lots of other things, if you want, you can write it down, if you want, you don't have to write it down, Meaning like in Tanakh, Tashma Atosev Altevarav comes to teach us, do not add on. I mean, these are the words, these are the things that are meant to be in the Tanakh. Um, one second. Yeah. Um, as opposed to other things. As opposed to other things. Okay. 
Now, right. Yeah, okay, right. So that's a Raja, right? That's, that's the idea. So, like, the other things, maybe you would say not, not the Baruch HaGodesh, clearly it is. Okay. Now it says, Tanya Rebeleza Omer Esther Baruch HaGodesh Namra. Okay, so now we're going to see a Brechta which tries to show from different Sukim that Esther was written Baruch HaKodesh. You will probably like some of these proofs more than others, so will the Gemara. Um, the Gemara, of course, in the Brechta says, Rabbi says, Esther's written Baruch HaKodesh, and Amar says, Bayomar Haman Bilibo. Haman, the Pasuk says, Haman said in his heart. What's the idea? That how could we know what Haman said in his heart? It must be Baruch HaKodesh. Rabbi Kibo Mer Esther Baruch HaKodesh, Namar Shanamar Vatahi Esther no Sechem Benekol Raya. It says in the Pasuk that Esther was found favor in everyone's eyes. Well, how would we know that? It must be Baruch HaKodesh. Rabbi Meir Omer Esther Baruch Hakodesh Namar Shanamar Vayivada Hadavar Lamordechai. Right, that it said the matter became known to Mordechai. How do you know? I guess he had Baruch Hakodesh. Rabbi Yosef Ben Durmaskit Omer Esther Baruch Hakodesh Namar Shanamar Uvan Biza Lo Shachu Et Yadam. It says the people did not touch the spoils of the war. Again, how would you know if an individual person maybe touched the spoils? Has to be Baruch Hakodesh included in this idea. Okay, so that's the bright. Amr Shmuel, Shmuel said, If I was there, meaning I'm not a Tana, right? Shmuel says, I'm not a Mora, but if I was there at the time, I would have said myself, I would say something that's even better than all of those explanations. Shnei says, Kimu v'kiblu. They uh, fulfilled and received, or accepted. Kimu l'mala, masha kiblu l'mata. They um, fulfilled above what they received down below. So again, that is sort of a less objectively observable thing to say, because really, how do you know what happens in heaven? But that's his point. That we have this Mesorah, that that's what this means, Kimuva Kiblu, well, how can you know what happens up, up, uh, up in heaven? Clearly, this is Beruach HaKodesh. Is it, is it kind of reversed, like the first opinion saying that there's Ruach HaKodesh, and then therefore, because of that, like, the events happen, and this one saying the events happen, and then, like, retroactively, it's kind of Ruach HaKodesh? Um... I don't think it's a question of whether the events happen or not. I think it's that the recording of what actually is happening in the Megillah is that something that we could know or something that we can't know. Are you saying now you're writing this and then because you wrote it, then that's what it was? The fa- yes. So the assumption is that we're taking what, the, what is written to be true. Yeah. Not retroactively. It's just it's an indication of Rosh Hashanah. You could just say, you're lying. But we're not going to say you're lying. So if you're not lying, how would you know that? It must be Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Meaning, it's making its own internal claim to Rosh Hashanah. That's really the idea. Yeah. Can you explain the explanation of Kimu Umalik? I think so. I don't know. Uh, Kimu it means that up above, they sort of like um, established what they had. The people sort of like accepted certain things down below. Okay. I mean, like the Torah or the commitment to Mitzvah or the commitment to God. And up above, they sort of like. We're very like uh, 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 happy with that, and they like sort of established that. They said like, yeah, that's great. They fulfilled that. They sort of you know, strengthened that. So the Gemara says as follows: Rava says for all of these explanations, there is a pircha, there's a kushia, except for Shmuel's. There's no uh, kushia on him. So you'll see why. It, it, it's it's funny. The Shmuel's opinion is that it's the strength is his weakness, and his weakness is his strength. So you'll see. The Rabbi Lazar Svarahu. When it comes to Rabbi Lazar, who talked about what was Haman saying in his heart at that time? He was saying, uh, there's no one like greater than me. So Rabbi Lazar, it's a svara. Right? You could just say that that's like logical. There was no, there was no one who was more, that no, there was no one more important to the king than he was. 
That's true. Like it makes a lot of sense that Haman would say something like that. Uh, tuva, and this that uh, he is trying to uh, ex- make things greater. I mean, Haman is trying, trying to. This is the scene right where the king is asking Haman what to do with some of the Asher HaMelech HaFei Spikaro. So Haman's like, oh, you should take him on the horse and dress him up in the king's clothes, blah, 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 blah. So why is he exaggerating so much? And so it's because Ve'amar Adati Amar. He's saying it because he thinks it's about him. So it makes sense that Haman would like, say, do all these wonderful things to the person because he thinks it's himself. So it's logical to say that Haman said in his heart, oh, there's no one greater to power to Ahasuerus to, uh, to than I am. It's a logical thing. It doesn't have to be that we, you know, we have a divine inspiration. Okay, does that make sense? Right. The, uh, the Rabbi Kiva, have the case of Rabbi Kiva. What did he say the issue was? It was about Esther, no sechein reine kol right? That everyone that liked to Esther. Uh, it says, deal with Rabbi Lazar. Maybe he holds like Rabbi Lazar. The Amar Melamed, Shakol Achad, Vechad, Din Metalo, Kumato. Rabbi Lazar says, that he, we'll see this later, it says, um, it teaches us that each person or each like uh, group, um, that she appeared to them like they were, she was from their nation. Okay, meaning Esther was no meaning that everyone really liked her because they sort of felt a certain like pull towards her, like they felt a kinship with her. I don't know, the people who are like, I don't know, let's just like say, for example, let's say you take America, right? So you'd be like, the Latino community would be like, oh, she looks like the Latino, I bet she's Latino. And the Jewish people would be like, oh, she looks Jewish, I think she's Jewish. And the African-American community would be like, oh, I think she's African-American, she's one of us, you know, and everyone like, you know, and the Italians like, I think she looks kind of Italian. You know, so each group sort of felt like she was one of theirs, so that's the idea. But it doesn't have to be that we know exactly the thoughts of every person, it's that the people probably heard, like each nation was like saying things like that, they were talking like that, that was like the, the word on the street. So I guess you could say that. Okay, so that would be a svarin. That would be a pircha on that, on that one, being Baruch HaKadosh. V'had the Rabbi Meir. How about Rabbi Meir's idea? Uh, again, Rabbi Meir said, uh, what did he say? That, V'yibedah the Mordechai. The Mordechai found out about uh, Big Tan and Teresh plotting against the king. So, Dilma K'Rabbi Chiyabar Abba. Maybe he'll say K'Rabbi Chiyabar Abba. Da'amar Big Tan V'Teresh Shnei Tarishim Hayu. He said Big Tan V'Teresh were people from Tarsis, or something like that. And the point is that maybe they were speaking a foreign language and their plot was made in a foreign language because they assumed no one understood the foreign language. But as we, uh, we have a tradition that Mordechai was on the Sanhedrin and the people on the Sanhedrin had to know all the languages. So then that makes perfect sense why he was able to, uh, to know what they were plotting because he was able to listen in and he knew exactly what they were talking about. Okay, I guess that's logical. V'had Rabbi Yossi ben Dormaskit Dilma Pristiki uh, Rabbi Yosef ben Dumaskit, who said that they, they knew that people didn't, send, uh, didn't touch the spoils of war. How would they know that? Must be Rosh Hashanah. He says, well, maybe they sent letters or, or, or messengers. I think messengers is the right translation. Right. Shadur means to send. Meaning maybe they sent uh, messengers to find out what happened in each town. So they, they looked around and they found out people didn't, uh, didn't touch the spoils. Okay. Well, what's uh, Messengers. Okay. So there's a, so there's a, again, so there's a, a potential, uh, there's a potential <coughs> piracha for each of those. The Shmuel, Vadel, Lalei piracha. But Shmuel, so there's no piracha on that. Again, I mean something that happened in Shemayim. So, again, the strength is the weakness. Like, if you're assuming that what you're saying is correct, then you're right. There's no way to know what's happened in Shemayim without Ruch HaKodesh. On the other hand, I've seen Shemayim. So, Ruch right, HaKodesh, yeah. What's a piracha? Kushia. Kushia. Okay, okay. so Amar Ravina, Ravina said, Hainu da Amar Inche, this actually is what people say, and it's like the common folk saying, Taba Chada Pilpilta Charifta Mimale Tzane Kare. One uh, spicy pepper 
is better than a basket full of gourds. Don't you guys say that? A what? One spicy pepper is greater than a basket full of gourds. Meaning you can have lots of opinions, but you go, ah, that one spicy one, that really like does the trick, you know? Yeah. The bland gourds are like whatever, but anyhow. Rav Yosef says we know this from the following pasuk. It says these days of Purim will not pass from the Jews. It's predicting the future, so that has to be Rosh Hashanah. Rav Nachman Bar Yisrael Gomer The pasuk says and their memory will not stop or will not cease from their children. Again, it's predicting the future. So the, how can you make such a claim? So this is sort of like um, but that's sort of like Aisha Torah type claims, right? Like the idea, like oh, the Megillah can only say these things if in fact it knew that it was true. But that, they can only really know that if it's divinely inspired. So that's sort of like the, the, the line of thinking there. Um, you know, but uh, take it for the worth. Okay, let's do two more lines. Matanot Yunim. We say you should give Matanot uh, Yunim gifts to the poor. Tani Rav Yosef Manot When the Pazik says Mishloch Manot Manot Okay, that means two uh, items to one person. Okay, this is the halacha. This is the famous halacha of Mishalach Manot. Here it is. You can circle it or underline it, whatever you can do with it. Matanot le'avyonim, shtei manot lishnei b'nei adam. Two gifts to two different people. Right, that comes from the grammar. Right, Mishalach Manot, ish areo. So it's manot, is plural, but it's one man to his friend, so it's one person. Matanot le'avyonim is two matanot, at least two avyonim. Rabbi Yehuda Nisiya Shadur Leila Rabbi Oshaya Atama de Igla Tilta Begarba de Hamra. Rabbi Yehuda the Hanasi sent to Rabbi Oshaya a leg of an Igla Tilta, which is either like a, uh, a third, a third um, cow, uh, a calf, or some type of it's some type of fat, really tasty calf. Um, yeah, it comes up right. It comes in Thomas too, right? Oshaya leg. No, no, Oshaya is his name. Atma, oh. the garbage the chamer in a flask of uh, of uh, wine. So Shalafai, he sent back to him. Kiyamta banu rabenu mishloch manot ishrei ehu umatanot levinim. He says you fulfilled by us, um, Rabbi, the mishloch manot ishrei ehu because you sent two things, and also matanot levinim. Uh, also, you fulfilled matanot levinim. I guess maybe there's more than one person in the house or something like that. But uh, he was so over the top. What you sent it was so great. And uh, they were very happy about that. Okay, we'll stop there.